Welcome to SkyCast episode 54, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing season 7, episode 11, Etheria. So what did you think about this one? I really liked this episode. Um, or I guess I should say, I really enjoyed the episode when it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, in rewatch, I will, f- I do feel like not... I don't want to say not a lot happens in this episode because obviously like things happen. I just feel like not a lot is said in this episode. I don't mean that literally. I just mean like all of the conversations that Bellamy and Doucette have. I feel like we've already been having them this season. I feel like they've already been um, discussed and I had kind of wanted more new stuff to talk about um so I'm actually feeling like I don't have too much to say about this episode well we'll see um I feel like I I, there are like some like caveat like asterisks that I want to put up at the top here specifically for the way that I feel about this episode because I really enjoyed it but I really enjoyed it because asterisk number one Bob Morley is back and I miss Bellamy on my screen so badly that I literally almost wept for joy and like truly like he just lights up the screen and warns up my whole body being whatever you want to call it I I think he's just like he glows um and he brings so much to his role and the Bellamy character was so sorely missing so I was asterisk number one asterisk number two was um I think for me like not having to be on Sanctum at all (laughs) was like a huge bonus for me. That is very true. So I really enjoyed it. And then number three, I just, I, even though like you said, there were a lot of circular conversations, we didn't really make any headway as far as like where we're coming down on either side of this faith versus it's not real slash is, what is it? Man uh, of science, man, man of faith, yeah. to use a nice lost term for yes, you guys. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I did find their conversations super fascinating, and I really enjoyed them. Even on my second watch, listening to the two of these men who have really great chemistry mm-hmm. um, talk and take up space on the screen, like, this is what I always ask for, you know, as, like, two people sitting down and having conversations as opposed to, like, shooting out. I absolutely, I mean, I do agree that I tend to prefer people sitting down and having conversations. I really just think for me, it was like, yes, we know you guys think that love is only good if you can love all people equally. You guys want to love your people above all else. We've heard this before. I know what you guys are about to say. I can predict what's about to come out of your mouth. Totally. Yeah. It was not um, the most like inspiring of like vocabulary for sure. Um, but they do have great chemistry. They have, but I also say. I think like it's another symptom and pro- a problem of this season is that when you have all of these characters splinter off, like you have to do a lot of retreading because not every character knows what all the other characters know. Yeah. And unfortunately we know because we've seen it now like a hundred times. So like for Bellamy, this conversation is brand new and I do like the way that he reacts to these uh, revelations and interprets the book's teachings himself and like applies that like to his like whole new outlook on survival Mm -hmm. um which I think is really interesting do I think this is the best episode of the hundred absolutely not did I enjoy it comparatively to several of the previous episodes a hundred percent yes I mean when I was first watching this for the for the first time um I was all in I was like I wanted to see where it went and I 
had a sneaking suspicion that I knew where it was going and yeah. that didn't make me happy. And I'm, I'll talk about it later, but I'm still a little concerned about the fact that we only have five episodes left and yeah. we're not in a good place right now. No, no, no. We're in the, we're in, in the dark, the yeah. bleak beyond. Um, <laughs> All right, so there's a couple of housekeeping stuff up front. We just want to run through before we jump in the recap. Um, wanted to shout out to John Michael for sending us such a great email at skycastcrew at gmail.com. We really enjoyed it, um, and we always love hearing from you guys. So please feel free to reach, reach out to us and email us. Um, also, a very welcome and very happy thank you to Baby Dazzle. I think for- it was Baby B Dazzle. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Baby B Dazzle for leaving us a lovely review on iTunes. Um, again, we appreciate this so much, um, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts, which reminds me to remind you to take this minute and go rate and review us on iTunes. As always, it helps other fans of 100 find us especially in these last five episodes, it is crucial. <laughs> yeah. so we, we really need to build our fan base. Yeah, here. we're really <laughs> struggling. I'm just screaming at the bottom of the barrel here. So thank you, thank you. Um, and with no further ado, let's jump into the recap. All righty. Well, we start with Levitt. Levitt is with a disciple in MCAP, and he sees in the disciple's memory that Bellamy didn't die. He just got thrown into the anomaly. We see Bellamy spit out onto a strange planet and then fight with the stone conductor he'd been holding at knife point on Bardo. He knocks out the conductor and tries to climb a bunch of sharp mountain rocks toward the anomaly glowing at the top, but he realizes he can't do it alone. So he tracks the conductor into a cave and tells them they'll have to work together if they want to survive. So first off, I find it a little weird that they had this opening scene with Levitt, just given that it doesn't really have any bearing on later events of the episode. Like, it's not like Levitt, like, rushes in to tell Octavia and they stage a rescue of Bellamy, you know? Oh my god, totally. And I really thought this was going to be, like, a framing device where they would return to this Uh at the end. Same. And then it never paid off, and I was like, what's the point? I mean, I (laughs) guess I can see they were, like, trying to find a way to... um, Like, seamlessly blend? Yeah. You know how you could have done that? Had the last episode end on a Bellamy cliffhanger, literally, or figuratively. Uh, That would have been a much better way than I think this was. I did actually read the script for the very last scene of this this, uh, episode, and Levitt appears in the script and, like, sees Echo and gets, like, like, really terrified. So I think... Maybe that's what they were going for, is they were trying to, like, continue Levitt's story in some small way here. Oh, like, Echo Levitt. Yeah, because, like, Levitt... torture Levitt goes in to tell Octavia and the rest of them that Bellamy's alive, and, like, literally, like, after, like five seconds after he walks in, then Cadigan comes in. So it's kind of like a waste of time, but, you yeah. know. Okay, I see why they shrunk that down. Um, And then, second, I just... I still think it's really absurd they think Bellamy died because it's like, was he vaporized? <laughs> like, when someone explodes, you still find pieces of them. <laughs> yeah, they don't just no disappear. Trace. <laughs> no trace to be found. Yes, he was vaporized into the anomaly. That's exactly right. Uh, no, no, he was not. Um, it's just silly. I mean, like, we obviously know that it was just... Yeah, they, to cause tension. Exactly. Um, it was a plot device. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I wanted to note, Levitt here, he's not looking super great. Poor guy. Uh, he's pretty, pretty beaten up by yeah. uh, Echo. It's lots of... Lots of stuff happening on his uh-huh. face, and I feel real bad about that. Um, and I also thought it was worth noting that um, while he's reviewing all of the, the guards' memories on the MCAT machine, you know, it links up really quickly, and the first um, first person he sees is Octavia on the screen, and he, like, tenses up 
has this very visceral physical reaction to her. Um, but I don't know, again, what side he's leaning toward on this. And I am just curious, like, how is he feeling about her after the events of last episode? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's obviously hard to say because we haven't yeah, really we haven't seen them together. Um, I do think that he's traumatized. And I think the, sh- the scripts kind of showed that that's where they're going with him. Um, but... I feel like he still is on Octavia's side or like he's still, or I guess maybe that's not the right word. He still like cares about her and wants to help her. I think that he has just kind of realized what her and her people are really capable of since they did it to him. You know, like it's one thing to watch it happening in MCAT, but right, it's like completely a video other. Game. Yeah, yeah. It's completely other to have it happen to you. So um, I think he's definitely a little bit more unsure now about her people and, and what, I, I think he thinks they deserve. I mm-hmm. mean, like we see him get pretty tense when Shauna asks whether people will be punished and, and whether they even deserve to stay in Cadigan's rooms. And he just kind of like cuts her off. Um, and I was trying to kind of get a read on that of like him, f- like almost feeling frustrated and irritated. And he doesn't want to talk about, I mean, like talk about someone who needs to go into MCAP. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just feel like he's almost ready to just get this all over with and just stop you know all of this kind of back and forth with him and Octavia and her people and his people and totally I, I think you're absolutely right I think that it, like his the one thing that he's clung to and has been told all his life is so near his grasp I think he's just hoping that he won't have to deal with any of this extra bullshit yeah. um and before he can just go into transcendence yeah. and um that's that's a cute it's a cute thought, yeah. But like, that's sweet. You're babe. on the hundred, so that's not <laughs> happening. Well, that's funny because on the hundred, people don't usually—they're uh, not usually allowed to deal with their problems. So that is true. But it is the final season. <laughs> that's true. Um, and then you know, Bellamy pops out onto this strange planet that in no way looks like Earth or Sanctum, like truly or Vancouver. <laughs> Um, but it's also a pretty chill planet and like I kind of would live here I'd be into it yeah I would live here there are some very concerning elements on this planet that we can we'll talk about later <laughs> that, that like give me a little pause uh-huh, but like uh-huh. out of all of the planets outside of earth that we visited so far like sure this is ranking pretty high on the scale like Nikara is way way down the <laughs> list <laughs> Bardo just above it yeah <laughs> seriously um, yeah and so Bellamy pops out like a you know like a little like uh, a little gopher and takes a look around <laughs> and what like a gopher yeah he just like pops out of the middle of nowhere like poof. is that do gophers do that they pop out of the ground oh like out of hole oh out of holes yeah out of like anomaly holes yeah okay I got you I follow I had to it took me a second oh my god <laughs> um I speaking English <laughs> Um, and you know, he's like very, I think he really appreciates the like awesomeness of what is happening to him. Like he is going through a vortex and popping up on a new planet. It's a beautiful place at first sight, you know, and he definitely has this like look of awe on his face. And then of course, Doucette shows up and that's ruined. But like for a split second there, he was like, damn, this is pretty cool. It's kind of the story of the hundred, right? Right. They have a look of awe and then five seconds later, it's ruined. Yep. Every season, every episode. (laughs) Beautiful. And then fighting. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, um, Bellamy obviously is going to win this fight and he does but I was very impressed that he showed restraint when he could have killed Doucette with his with the rock 
And I do feel like this is a really good example of like character growth because I think an earlier version of Bellamy in like season one or two oh, or, or three mm-hmm. would have just killed this guy straight yeah, for out. For sure. Um, so this is growth. This and is him trying to do better, as Monty yeah. says. He he is exercising restraint, and I <laughs> applaud him for that. Um, yeah. So the fight was great, and actually, like Dosette put up a fight. I I was a little surprised I actually. Mean, he is. I know that they're trained. 12 or whatever. Well, I don't think that necessarily means they're good fighters. Um, I'm still unclear about the level situation, but like Levitt is a level, what, 11? Uh, And Levitt, I I wouldn't say obviously, but I'm pretty sure Levitt like cannot hold his own in a fight. Like he just doesn't seem capable of it. I could be wrong. Um, So like, does that like, he he was, he was getting some punches in, landing some kicks. I I was into it. Yeah. It was a good fight. It was a good fight. Um, but then Bellamy, after he, you know, knocks out Dosette, he goes on his little walkabout with his walking stick, which I loved. <laughs> it was just stick. like some Gandalfy. It, it was, <laughs> there were so many Lord of the Rings references yeah. in this whole episode. <laughs> it was like, I ended up not putting any, I didn't mention any of them in their show notes just because I was like, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Well, I'm sure Lord they'll the come up organically as we're talking. Um, but it does seem a little silly to me that this tiny little rock wall, like a two-person high rock wall, is what would keep Bellamy from doing this by himself. And like how pathetic did he look when he was like yeah. jumping? Oh, 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 I can't reach. I can't reach. It was like, are you telling me there is no other? The, the I think Dosette later was like, there's no way around it. Like, what do you mean there's no way? It's like two feet tall. Yeah, just like build a ladder. I saw you build a rope. He built a rope. Exactly. Build a lot. Whatever. <laughs> we should have been on this planet. And then we could live there forever because neither of us would be climbing those rock walls. But <laughs> nope. We do not have the upper body strength no. or the um, self-control to do that. Um, yeah. So in this cave, when Bellamy goes back to, to heal Doucette, we have like some version of this faith conversation. This is the first version over and over again as in this episode, as I have said. But I do want to note here that um, <laughs> the very first argument that Bellamy tells Doucette is that no one is coming for them and they have to rely on their own, which I think is really important because the way that the perspective shifts over this course of this episode really much is like the viewer is supposed to be sharing Bellamy's POV and perspective. And so it's really important for them to establish at the beginning that like, this is a fact. Nobody's coming. We agree with Bellamy. We know he's right. And then over the course of the episode, what is supposed to be happening is that we are supposed to maybe start to believe in something along with Bellamy. Whether that is effective or not is another thing entirely. But I do think it's important to note that like, I can see what they're trying to do as far as like, aligning the viewer with the Bellamy's perspective I just don't know if it's that effective and I think we can talk about that more later on I I think it's interesting actually now that you bring up Bellamy talking about how no one is coming for them in like any other season theoretically someone would come for them you know what I mean like the whole thing with um, Octavia in the last couple of episodes is she like knew Clark would come um, because Clark is Clark. And, like, why doesn't Bellamy think Clark would come for him here, you know? <laughs> because he know he knows. And, again, this is a huge problem. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. He knows that they think that they're dead. Which is ridiculous. Which is dumb. Because, but did you vaporize? <laughs> I ask again. <laughs> We're going to move off that point. <laughs> um, and I also love how he has become, like, this amazing tracker. He tracks Doucette all the way into this cave. Very Aragorn of him. <laughs> Uh, and then later tells Doucette 
that, um, you know, in order to survive on this planet, they have to work together. There's like an emphatic emphasis on together. And <laughs> I was very upset and offended that he would use his <laughs> Bellark word together <laughs> with I another think- human. <laughs> I hope Clark doesn't find out all the stuff that happened here because I think she'd be pretty jealous about uh, Belmondo-Set's relationship. Echoes too. (laughs) (laughs) There's some hot stuff happening here. So Bellamy takes care of the disciple named Dosette, who we've already been naming, uh, while his broken leg heals. And in the meantime, he plans how to make it up the mountain, gathering supplies and braiding ropes. He also reads the shepherd's passage book that Dosette has. Later, the two of them argue about whether the shepherd is a true prophet or not. So first, the the biggest question of the episode, in my opinion, is what comes out of those eggs? Those are big ass eggs. Dinosaurs. They are dinosaur eggs. Yeah. I'm like, I think it's a stegosaurus. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more of like a pterodactyl. Interesting. Uh Interesting. I could be, I totally could be wrong. It could be a stegosaurus. I really just wanted like Spike from The Land Before Time, like his like roly-poliness. Like that's the kind of dinosaur that I want. Like somebody that's like has no sharp talents, no sharp beak. What about like a long neck (laughs) from The Land Before Time? I just don't think that Littlefoot would fit in that little egg like I think they're too big <laughs> I don't think that's true I think they maybe grow it was quickly. ducky ducky yeah um yeah so, anyway, so definitely a dinosaur though I think we're, we're in agreement we're coming back to this show the hunter now. <laughs> uh, I'm also curious how Bellamy would know how to reset a leg I guess it's something else I, I love that they use earth skills as this class like to just like all. catch all like everything we've ever done on earth we learned in the earth skills class it is true although I do think I you know don't know this for certain but I am very very I feel very confident in that someone has broken a leg and had to reset it in their time on earth and beyond and I, don't, I, I mean we've never seen it right Someone in the hundred had to have broken a leg or a Bellamy wasn't there. Well, he could have helped in the hospital room. We don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe. Like, yeah. I feel like those are things you pick up. I just like if I saw someone with their bone sticking out of their leg, I mean, like, I feel like theoretically I would know that the bone has to go back into their leg, but I wouldn't necessarily know the exact movement that we would have to do to get the bone back in the leg. I mean, you know, I would, but I'm an extraordinary case. Yeah, because you've had so many broken bones. So many broken bones. Like, I, that was very accurate to what exactly what I would have done in that scenario, except I'm not strong enough to do it. But, um, yeah. I'm well, just this gonna, took two men. I'm just going to chalk it up to, to him picking it up somewhere. I'm just going to chalk it up to Pike. Thanks, Pike. Thanks, Pike. <laughs> Speaking of which, I do love this little callback to Pike yeah. and Earth skills in general. Like, I'm I'm very, very pleased whenever we get, like, a reference back to something. Yeah. Just, like, a little nugget. It's very fun. Especially in the last season. It's yeah. a lot more nostalgic. Exactly. Um, and also, I just got to say, like, thank God those pines do work the same as the pines on Earth and that they are it. That was a big risk, Bell. Those are magic freaking pines. Magic. Yeah, they heal your leg in a week. A week when your bone is sticking out of your leg. Yeah. Compound fracture. Not come, good. We'll come back to this in a second because I have something to say about that. Okay. Um, I also love... As he's healing to set, Bella's just like talking to himself and he's like, You're such a great conversationalist and then has like an entire two sided conversation by himself. Um, which I just really loved and I thought, you know, I didn't know I needed this, but I really <laughs> loved it. It was very funny. I mean, I do wanna echo what you said <laughs> echo, but um I do want to um repeat what you said at the beginning, which was that I, I for me, I knew I missed Bellamy. I've like known this whole season that there it did feel like 
there was a hole in the show, like this wasn't the show, but having Bob Morley back on my screen, it was like, oh, I didn't realize how much I missed yeah, Bellamy. Yeah, it was like we were wandering around in the dark, and then when he showed up, they turned the light back on. <laughs> um, except for that, I will say that, unlike you, I was keenly, very specifically aware of how badly I missed him, <laughs> and this episode just reinforced that, but did not, like... It wasn't, like, a new, new information. Yeah. I was like, yep, this is exactly what I wanted, and this is how much I missed him, and I just, Bob, to the level. Bob has such a vulnerability in his acting that I, I just miss so much when he's not there. And uh, I think, like, a lo- there are a lot of actors on this show because of the content that they're given, the lines that they're given. They have – there's a lot of work, and, like, I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Richard Harmon is doing, like, a lot yeah. of work. And you can feel that work. And, like, Gaia has these, like, really heavy lines. And, like, there's a lot of work and weight behind her lines. But there is something to both Eliza and Bob, but especially when you combine them, that the two of them have this easiness and this casualness that just feels like people talking. Mm -hmm. That they're not scripted. That they're not having, you know, the end of the world lines given to them. It just... It just feels like he's a person. And it's really incredible how that makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, Speaking of of Speaking of Bellamy and Clark. Yeah. So Bellamy admits that he loves Clark for the first time ever, which seems like it shouldn't be a good idea because, like, of course you love Clark, you know, be it one – what did I say? You said it shouldn't be a good idea. And I was like, why not? Oh, I think I said a big idea. Um, A big deal. Uh, Because, like, again, we we all know that he loves Clark. Every – no one can – you know, um, refute, that. refute that. It's like, what way does he love Clark that the that the fandom gets all riled up? Um, but unfortunately, because this show is the show and the show is ridiculous, they've never been able to say that. Bellamy and Clark have always talked around that word <laughs> when it comes to each other. Um, so I just, I really liked hearing it, you know? Yeah. And do you want to mention how there was like a little pause yeah, I mean, there. I think there was, like, an infinitesimal little pause before he said Clark um, when he was listing Octavia Echo and, and Clark. Yeah. Um, it just speaks to how hard it is for him to talk about her in those terms. Yeah, as we've seen. It's, it's heavy stuff. Yeah. Um. So Bellamy's bored. He picks up this Shepherd's Passage Bible. And the first thing that flashed in my brain was like, where did they get the printing press on Bardo? Like, <laughs> well, where did they get the printing press on Sanctum? It's you know? a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> it's just like the way that this was printed looks so different from all the other materials. In fact, I, oh, like on, um, on Bardo? Bardo, like it just looks like it's from a different time, a different style of printing. It looks like it's from a different, and it's true that Bardo has like evolved in technology. Maybe they, maybe, they had something more similar to what this looks like here a long time ago when Cadigan first showed up. But, well, you know what I'll say to that? What will you say? Is I still feel like it's possible that Cadigan could have gone back to Earth, given that he supposedly has, like, Earth paintings in his room. So, like, True. maybe he just, like, Cadigan being Cadigan was like, I'm also going to take this printing press because that's how I'm going to print all of my propaganda. But I'm going to pick one from, that's what I'm like, saying. this, like, 15, ancient... I'm picking Guten. original (laughs) printer (laughs) exactly wouldn't Cadigan do that like instead of just using like a computer (laughs) yes yes he would do that what a dick (laughs) um so the second Bellamy grabs this book and starts reading I was like oh oh damn like this is where we're gonna go with it because one of the worst things you can do if you don't want to be inducted into a cult is to read their bible (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like don't this is how people get 
become cult members. Don't read the pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> Put it down. <laughs> it starts to sound smart after a while. You get lost in it, you yeah, know? Yeah. That's what <laughs> propaganda is, as Bella exactly. called it. Um, I am curious, though, at which point Cadigan actually came to Etheria. You know, like, was it after they'd settled on Bardo? Was it before? Was it after he'd learned about the last war? Was it before? Like, there are a lot of different possibilities here um, on the timeline. And I think that knowing when exactly he came um, says different things about the way that the disciples developed and the way that Cadigan's own beliefs developed. For sure. Um, so I, I was just really curious, and I don't think we're going to get an answer, but I, I... know, I, but I feel like we really need one. I agree. Because I need some clarification and just, like, the how I feel about things and how things pan out based on that. I feel like that's really vital information. I mean, I guess I will say, even though I just noted that you guys should not read cult materials, um, I kind of want to read the book just because I really want to see where, which planets he went to. <laughs> Or maybe maybe the Shepherd's Passage is only about this planet. I guess maybe that, that might be true. Or not? I you don't think so? Don't think so. Okay. Because why would he just be carrying around the, the book about this random planet? Well, maybe this is because this is where he had, Cadigan had his grand, like, epiphany. Um, and no, so- no, I know. But, like, why would Doucette be carrying around a book that only had stuff about Etheria and then coincidentally showed up there? No, 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 no. I, I get that. I'm just saying, like, what if that was the Shepherd's book that he wrote because he, like, that was the only book that he wrote and that was because of, like, his epiphany here in this planet? I, I'm not... I could go either I way. I don't know. We'll have to see. But the idea of, like, the Shepherd's Passage, you know? Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We'll but see. I feel like it was like speaking to his like broader. Journey. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I want to know where he went. I'm just saying. I want to know what planets he visited, because um, like for example, if he'd visited Skyring, more time should have passed. You know. Yeah. I I think I guess I guess since time passes faster on Bardo, maybe not. I'm, it's very difficult to keep track of, but that's true. I don't know. <clears throat> um, yeah. So Bell first picks this thing up and he starts reading, and then he gets into this argument with Doucette, and he's basically like, "This makes no sense. Like, why would you get to transcendence and peace?" through more war and violence and it's basically echoing everything that jordan said last time and we're like yes bellamy we're on the same page keep that in mind (laughs) that's just completely out the window by the end of the episode but i appreciate that he's that's where we started at least i love that doucette's like elucidation of the paradox is not ours to know and it's like that's a really great way to explain away inconsistencies totally 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 (laughs) um but again like i I really liked these conversations. I like the philosophy. I like the back and forth. I like the sort of debate style of this. Um, It just kind of felt like I was sitting in a philosophy or religious class in college with like two super hot teachers, which (laughs) by the way, may I just say, in case you didn't know, I looked up the guy who plays (laughs) Doucette on IMDb and he is really hot. So I'm into this. Look, I'm into this whole situation that's happening. I ain't mad about it is what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, I do think it is interesting that Bellamy and Dosette are like approaching this conversation with two very different sets of experiences, you know, like Bellamy with the actual war experience and then Dosette having prepared his whole life to fight this war that's never come. Um, and like him being so excited to start this final war, all of the disciples really, it just like you all sound so naive. I know that like you think that there is a a goal on the other side of this war that will make it all okay but I think that's what people 
think for every word well, you exactly. know that gets back to like one of the central themes of the show which is how do you justify the ends of the, the help me justify uh, the ends how do the ends justify the means thank you yeah um and i think they think that you know fighting a final war is justification of means to get to the end that they want i just don't know i don't think they don't really know what the end is because you can never know you never know what's what's beyond it just seems so childlike it's almost like you know young boys at the start of or girls but it's been boys historically in america at least at the start of a war who are like really excited to like join up up and like become a man it's just that's like the feeling that i almost get from these people and they're like excitement for this final war um and it's just like bellamy just seems so much older and wiser and so much more tired because he's been through so many wars yeah he's like an old veteran yeah for sure so a week later once dose is back on his feet pun intended (laughs) they climb the first leg of the mountain together there are so (laughs) many puns but then they realize the stone is way higher up than they thought. Later, a blizzard splits them up with Dose looking for shelter while Bellamy trying to climb further, only for Dose to have to drag Bellamy's near-frozen body into a cave to get warm. So, <laughs> before we get to that, I uh, have heard theories that this was a simulation. Like, this whole thing that Bellamy is going through with Dosette was a fear simulation on Bardo um, that he's, like, had to go through many times until the Bardo and the disciples were able to kind of bring about the mind um, state that they wanted from him. Okay. Which I think would have been awesome and like a fantastic twist i i just think it's honestly too smart for this season right now (laughs) (laughs) yes um but one of the only things that makes me believe this could be true is the fact that dose heads like healed in one week and i just i'm like it doesn't make any sense i know it really does like it's like so ridiculous like they could have had him just be on this like be in the cave for a month you know like three or three i mean like they didn't have to make it a week it's just it's really weird he broke two bones he broke his um tibia and his fibula which is like the shin part and Mm. then the back part i I know bones i'm talking to the people on (laughs) the podcast who may not know bones um sorry for everybody who does know their anatomy um and then just like has anyone in the writer's room ever broken a bone Ever? Because, like... I haven't ever broken a bone, knock on wood, and I still know that that's going to take... His bone broke in half. It's going to take longer than a week. It went through his skin. No matter how good the pine sap is. The pine sap (laughs) must be fucking magical. Like, you know, Jack's magic beans. Oh, man. It is just... It was a choice that they made. It was a really strange choice. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then we get to this wall of unanswered prayers and it's like cat again you dramatic fucker man like come on and how did cat get around this too i'm sure he made a ladder oh that's true he did he did bring climbing materials right 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 but then why would it be the wall of unanswered prayers i don't know i mean i think it in the same way that like bell and doucette thought this was the like apex of the uh. mountain they got up there only to discover that they had this like the very very first <laughs> leg of their journey yeah um i like that so idea it's like you know it was like he 
his prayers were unanswered because he had so much further to go. This is my interpretation. I, of it. I feel like what I'm just saying is like I want to engage with the cult materials. I really want to know yeah. the meaning behind. All I mean, this. yeah, don't blame Bellamy. <laughs> You're gonna drink the Kool Aid yourself. I would not drink the Kool Aid. That is hilarious. But I would hella read that book. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a really great fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like that, you know, the wall is technically like their first test here. But the real test is actually like the faith, like the the test of faith in each other. And as you point as Giuseppe points out to Bellamy, like after he throws down the rope, he literally says, like, have a little faith. Um and which this, is cute. Which is cute. Yeah. And it, like, starts to cement their bond together, which I really like. Um, I thought this was a good – it was a good little moment. It was a good little – I mean, like, I really liked Dosette. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> this, this episode is not bad. It's not I bad. Did, I didn't say the episode was I'm, bad. I'm not talking yeah. to you. I'm talking to, like, the general just, like – I don't think people thought this episode was bad. No, I know. It's fine. <laughs> I, I just – um, so Dosset said the shepherd was prepared to do his walkabout on Etheria, but then he also mentions that Bill explored the universe. And like I was saying, like, I, I just really want to know, like, how many places do we think Bill has gone? And is it just the places that are programmed into, um, the anomaly stone right now? Or did he go to other places? Because we find out later that, or not later, I guess we, we find out out of show the Jason Rothenberg said that the anomaly stones, he envisions them being on, every habitable planet in the universe which i'll talk about a little bit later because it's ridiculous uh, but there's that idea that then like bill could have gone a lot of places and i'm yeah. i want to know i feel like he has the the hubris like if he had gone to a planet and like quote unquote conquered it he would have had he would have programmed it like he would have coded it so like yeah that's true i don't i feel like all the planets that he's been to are the ones that we know about yeah because i don't believe that he's been to a planet and like wouldn't take credit for finding it that's true. That's a good point. Because he's a colonizer. He is a colonizer. I love him. And a thief. But he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love to hate him. I love it. <laughs> so Bellamy is like confused. Like, how did the shepherd do this himself? I'm really tired. I have no equipment. And Dusad's like tells him like all this shit. And he goes, was it like Icarus? And he had his wax wings, which is just like. What a stupid nerd you are. <laughs> like, Bellamy, you lovable little geek. I love you so much. I love that just, like, tiny bit of consistency that they've carried through, like, season one, you know? Yeah, it's great. It's the, the Blake obsession with Greek mythology, and it's perfect. Yeah, it's great. They're they're nerds. Um, we find out here that Etheria was the place where Bill found proof that species can transcend to a higher level, we think. Theoretically, possibly, maybe. Maybe. We'll talk about it later. We'll see, we'll see that in action <laughs> mm -hmm. later. Maybe. We maybe. don't know. Um, so Bellamy, one thing that was kind of annoying me about Bellamy specifically was that Bellamy seems to doubt that the shepherd even came to Etheria, which honestly is very odd to me because it's like, dude, like it's not an impossible place to get to. You are here. You're walking. You know, like, I, I, I don't know why Bellamy couldn't have just doubted more of the fact that like Cadigan's a freaking prophet and you didn't have to spend all of this energy being like your your god didn't come here that's ridiculous these are just words on a page like you know what I mean I don't know I think I interpreted this a little differently than you I don't I don't think I thought he was doubting the fact that Cadigan had walked on this place because I feel like that's pretty obvious that he did it was more of that like all of the let's just call it like melodramatic like religious context that he 
ascribed to this place was what Bellamy was like um, taking like the exception with. Yeah, taking I, exception I don't with. think so. I think that he actually doesn't believe that his that that Cadigan came here because of this exact scene where they're like walking in the snow and he's like and Dosette's like talking about well the way is this way because this was in the book and he's like it's just words on the page like that's not real and it's like no I mean like the the guy was here like what's not yeah I don't know I think I thought he was like maybe like Cadigan had like embellished a lot for his very absurd book I mean I guess that's possible yeah I I personally I I do like Doset but I think I would have pushed him off a cliff by now with like all of his talk about the shepherd because it is getting really irritating um but he is correct the shepherd is guiding them given that they are essentially like following the roadmap that he left behind in this book as the way to the anomaly stone exactly exactly Exactly. x marks the spot um (laughs) But I agree that all of his shepherd talk, I definitely would have muzzled him by now. <laughs> he needs to shut up. Um, I really like this part where Bellamy goes off. They have this, like, disagreement, and um, Doucette tells him that he needs to be patient, and Bellamy is like, I have people to get back to. I can't leave them behind. I'm going into the snowstorm, and Doucette's like, I'm going to get shelter. That was the right choice. Um, <laughs> and so Bellamy proceeds on his own, and to get through the snowstorm, as he literally starts to freeze on the mountain, he uses the mantra that he taught Octavia when she was scared, and he ke- keeps saying over and over again, I am not afraid. And I thought this was really sweet. I thought this was a really sweet callback to Octavia. I love that he's thinking about her when he's alone up here on his own. And I like that this pays off later. Yeah. At the end of the episode. Um, I particularly liked um, the fact that this scene, and for a lot of like this early episode, I felt the old Bellamy you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like the Bellamy that like let's be honest maybe not the smartest you know (laughs) one of the bunch but like definitely had the most passion out of all of them and and the most you know heart if you will he was the most charismatic he was very uh he wasn't patient he was very um what's what I'm looking for determined Did, well that's not really the opposite of patient but Impatient. he just like he didn't think things through before he did them is the um that's for. not the word i was looking for um and that's exactly what's happening with bellamy right now like dude just like go into a cave and get warm like you're climbing a mountain in a snowstorm right. i know that you want to get there as fast as possible but like dude you're gonna die you're gonna die <laughs> speaking of which like he's like frozen solid here and it's like I could really use a good Tauntaun right about now like can Han Solo show up which then reminded me that like is Ben is Bellamy the Han Solo of this series Mm, I would say the only real Han Solo that Bellamy was was in season one I feel like he's gotten much further away from Han Solo ever I don't since know. Then. I feel like Han Solo has, like, a lot of that, like, exterior brashness, but then underneath he's just, like, a heart of gold. Yeah, but I think Bellamy lacks a lot of, like, the sarcasm and the jokes that um, Han Solo had because Bellamy, honestly, is very serious. He hasn't made many jokes <laughs> since, like, season one, again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I am. I have such a big crush on Han Solo. Who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? Exactly. Um, exactly. And so I feel like I'm just trying to make it work, but it doesn't. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but you know, look, cuddling for warmth is pretty hot. I can't lie. Like, I did want the scene to like go to like Dor- Doucette starts taking off his clothes, and Bellamy's like, "What the fuck?" And Doucette's like, "We've got to have body heat because like that would really complete the cliche." I mean. 100% like this is the true enemies to lovers story we didn't realize we were <laughs> getting and like 
everything from the fact that they were ready to kill each other and were at each other's throats at the beginning to the fact that Bellamy had to heal Doucette in order to save himself to them having like a growing bond and friendship to them being stuck inside a cave and cuddling for warmth <laughs> to like them literally jumping off a cliff together is a love story yeah um and I'm bummed that this is platonic like <laughs> I'm not that bummed because <laughs> Bellark forever but honestly like in another world in another show exactly like, this could have been a thing VV into like this was a ship ready to sail yeah it really was. And I would have been on board. And like for any other show, um, again, at any other time, if this were a guy and a girl, this would have been a love been story. Right, exactly. You know, like it, there wouldn't have even been a, like, for example, if this, if this had been a couple of seasons ago and they did this exact sequence of events with Echo, I would have lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> <laughs> From just the indignity yeah. of giving this juicy, juicy, cli- romantic ju- cliche to Bellamy and Echo. <laughs> I'm fucking furious. Anyway. I like Doucette, though. I love Doucette. I, hope I like him die. with Bellamy a lot more than I like Echo with Bellamy. <laughs> oh, well, when Bellamy wakes, he finds a photo of Cadigan in the cave, proving that this is the Cave of Ascent. Then, following a light from the back of the cave, he and Dosette find glowing people-shaped auras, which Dosette says is the leftover energy from people who've already ascended. Bellamy rejects this, and later, Bellamy tells Dosette that Cadigan was a cult leader from Earth, and Dosette lectures Bellamy about how to properly love. Lots so, of stuff here. <laughs> lots of stuff. First off, people-shaped glow sticks. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so, I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about what this is and what this means, like, is this what transcendence looks like? Because this is what Bill thinks transcendence looks like. Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction. Like, what is actually happening versus what has Bill convinced himself of? And those are two very separate camps. Mm-hmm. And we just, like, need to be very clear as we navigate the rest of this episode on what is happening for what. Yeah, so, like, this apparently, according to Dosette, this is supposed to be the imprints of mortal energy left behind the moment that these peoples ascended. Um... I am not convinced. I think it's an interesting idea. I, I like the idea. Uh, knowing the hundred, though, I don't know. I mean, and knowing how Cadigan is completely fallible as a person, um, and he doesn't realize it, I can see this being something completely different that he just misread, or, or more specifically, like to to use what Jordan was talking about. I think it was last episode yeah. that he he drew the answers that he was looking for yeah. um, and not the answers that might actually be in front of him, you right. know, like he drew conclusion. He drew the conclusion that he wanted to fit yeah. within his like prescribed narrative um, instead of what's actually happening here. I don't know. I don't know if this like purported, you know, remnant of who has ever transcended. It could very much be true. Mm-hmm. It also could very much not be. I think at this point we are just going to have to operate under the assumption that like everything is possible until proven further. I did think if uh, these people transcended, wouldn't there be more of these glowy light people's energy just like around? Yeah, you know? I-, I agree. Although I think you could explain it with like these three aura symbolize or represent that race in whatever for whatever reason i don't know why you need three instead of one or or, or a million um or possibly they're the ones who took the test or right maybe though the they took the test together and that they are the, they were the representatives of that race mm-hmm. i don't know um 
Yeah, I mean, like, another, actually, there's a couple of explanations. One of them just could be, like, maybe these are beings and you just can't understand them because they're so different from humans, you know? Um, Or this could be something, again, completely off the mark. Um, They might not even be peoples. This might be energy that we take to be people who've ascended just because they are people-shaped. But, like, there is something to say that this planet had people-shaped people, you know, like right. human-shaped people. Right. Um, they could have been anything. They could have been freaking pterodactyls, right. as exactly. they probably they are. Mean, just because they look humanoid does not mean that that was necessarily what a life form looked yeah. like. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to, to see where they're going to go with this because I think this is something we will find out, you know? I agree. Yeah, no, I definitely think we're going to get the answer to what this mystery is. Um, and this is just the very first introduction to mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so, look, I, I don't know why, again, I'm like, a lot of the Bellamy stuff in this episode felt a little clunky to me because Bellamy's doubt, um, is written as a real all or nothing sort of thing. You know, like Bellamy sees these glow sticks, but he's like, no, this can't be true. I can't believe this. And it's like, okay, you can look at the empirical evidence in front of you and believe that this is something. Yeah. This could be transcendence. This very much, you know, could be, but you still don't have to believe that Cadigan is some sort of magical chosen cult leader, you know? Right. Just because there is like, just because some guy in a white suit showed up and said, this is my dogma to explain this like weird cosmic phenomena doesn't mean you have to buy that propaganda, but you can still accept that there is some weird cosmic phenomena happening. Exactly. It's just, it's, he's making this way too hard on himself. And as a viewer, it was a little irritating to watch. Yeah, it was irritating to watch. I also think like, as you said, he isn't like the smartest character and he does live with his heart first Mm -hmm. and foremost. And I do think he is susceptible to persuasive and passionate arguments more than let's just say for example i don't know clark, clark. um <laughs> the head <laughs> just looking at the wrong it out there um but this is why bellamy and clark should always be together them. when bellamy's on his own he gets inducted into cults exactly <laughs> he makes stupid choices um i want to ask a question and yeah. i think i know the answer would you want to ascend um, am I the first person to ascend? Do I know anyone who's ascended? Uh, like, like theoretically, like it would be all of the human race or, or no one. And you're not making this choice, but just like, if you were going to ascend, it would be with the full human race. You know what I mean? So oh. like, if you wanted to ascend, like, w- would you want to ascend or would you want to be a human and stay human or, you know, stay at this level? If everyone was going with me, I would want to ascend. Yeah. Would, I mean, you would obviously. Yes, I think so. I mean, like the the problem is, is we don't know what this would even mean. Yeah. Um, what ascending to a new level means. You know, I, I like my selfish love. I love my friends and I don't want to lose them. And I, you know, worry that ascending to a new level would mean losing a lot of the quote unquote humanity that, that we have, you sure. know? I, I see that. I also am just sort of like, I mean, I don't know. I think. If it is some version of, like, whatever is the next journey, yeah. the next evolution, or, like, the next step in your process as a being. I like, mean, let's be honest. I would obviously choose to ascend. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was like, that's a very but it, answer. But, but it's very scary. It's a scary thought because it's something – it's the unknown. You know, it's it's almost like 
death in a way. Well, that's exactly where I was going with this. It's mm-hmm. like, it's it's exactly what Gandalf and Dumbledore always say, which is like, it's just the next step in your journey. Um, and there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, it's whatever is coming next. And you can never know what that is, but it's nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I, don't think I feel like I have a like, very weird relationship. Like, death does not bother me in the slightest. Like, I'm a very, like, I don't think morbid is the right word, but I'm just like a very, like, at peace with the idea of moving on. Yeah, well, I just, I think the difference between you and me is you have a lot more faith in something beyond this life, and I don't. That's so. True. That's true. And I it's think like that faith, I would never call it faith, but I'm very much, much more spiritual than you are mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think that any of our people are going to ascend <laughs> if there is an ascension, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I also think it's important to note um, that this, this whole scenario that the writers have put forth here with the, the glow sticks at the top of the cave, in the cave at the top of the mountain after this like long trek, is very clearly referencing the story of Moses from the Bible is like Moses climbs a mountain, discovers the burning bush or like some source of light and leaves with enlightenment. Um, yeah, he he and like hears the literal the voice Lord of God, God coming out of a bush. <laughs> uh, faith and purpose to save his people. And this just is very, very Old Testament. Um, and it's not subtle. And I also like that in this scene, Doucette literally uses the word testament. And I was like, tr- I was like about to say the words like, oh, look, it's like the Old Testament. And he's like, it's a testament. To her, da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, OK, I got it <laughs> over the head. Got it. Um, do we think that after seeing the glow people auras, was this why Bill chose to leave his family photo here? Like, was he kind of saying goodbye to his past here in this cave and like welcoming his future where he's the chosen one to lead his people to like this new form of existence? Or do you think he just forgot the photo? (laughs) I actually, I had not thought about it. I really thought he had just left the photo. But now that you say that, I do think that's what happened. I think it was very clearly like I'm shedding my old Mm -hmm. life and self, my mortal form (laughs) and moving on to a new, new phase. God dumb. (laughs) Idiot. Um, yeah, no, I do. I agree with you. I think that's exactly what happened. Um, but I just wanted to, like, clarify here, mm-hmm. just so we're all on the same page, that, like, let's just get this straight. So Bill, our good pal Bill. Yeah, old Bill. Was like, call me Bill. Yeah, call me Bill Bill. Uh, was, <laughs> you know, hop, skipping, and jumping through the anomaly in search of a higher calling and a purpose because he truly believed that he was the one to lead his people out of the end of the world and that he was the like ordained leader from some some cosmic order mm-hmm. stumbles upon this glowing aura and decides to adopt this whatever this is <laughs> as his own dogma mm-hmm. to fit whatever dogma whatever narrative he wants to support in order to like proclaim his own dei- deism and I'm just curious, like, would we consider this appropriation? Because he just showed up on some random planet that clearly has a remnant of a civilization. And these peoples, whatever they are, whatever beings they were, clearly had some sort of experience here. And Bill just, like, picked it up, tossed, didn't even bother to try and investigate what the hell happened here. <laughs> and was like, I'm just going to turn this into my own faith. That's, that's not, I mean, that's bad. It's bad. Yeah, I don't know if I use the word appropriation. I think what is, I think where this likely falls in Bill's journey is that they probably have already decoded or think they've decoded the Bardoan texts. And so 
he like discovers Etheria. He goes on this walkabout. He's not sure what this like transcendence is supposed to look like. And then he sees this and he's like, oh, well, this obviously must have been what happens. Um, and then he just takes it as fact. And I don't think he's necessarily appropriating this culture because he's he's like, there's nothing. He knows nothing about this culture. He has no. Yeah, I think appropriating is. I was almost joking. I mean, it's I ridiculous. It, but it's ridiculous. I, it's it. I very much am like this. Sort of more than anything proves that he's a fraud. Like none of this, none of this transcendence, none of the journey on the way here. Like it, none of it happened because of Bill. Bill just happened to discover it. And so, like a lot of colonizers, they like use their um. They use a lot of language about like you know. Um, uh, like, I'm, I'm being chosen. I'm, I'm yeah, not, like being chosen or or being like the, the worthy ones. The, yeah, worthy to... and like um, you know, appointed from above to be on this journey to justify taking and stealing whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and pillaging, which I think is like what's happening here. He is like pillaging from another culture, another civilization, without a care in the world to investigate like what actually happened here. Yeah, I think like the one difference is like he leaves all of this stuff alone like it's not like he takes anything no no I'm it's just like it's his own mind and religion is like an appropriation <laughs> almost That's... but i i disagree that this would make him a fraud because i think the people see this as him being led here in the same way that moses was like drawn to the top of the mountain mm. you know um him led here to like get this final piece of the puzzle i was be specifically being like he like so we can see oh like, as know. the viewer I mean, like let's all be honest we know that bill is ridiculous i know but i think it's important he wears birkenstocks guys i like a good birkenstock <laughs> leave them alone um although i did think that was hilarious um <laughs> he is 100% a hippie yeah um I do think it's important, though, because I think, to my earlier point, like, I think we're supposed to start to buy into this bullshit at some point in this episode. I think that's what the writers were intending, was, like, that we were supposed to align with Bellamy and be like, this is unexplainable. How did Bill get here? Like, blah, 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 blah. And so I think we were supposed to buy in a little bit, but all they present, everything in this episode, to me, is just, like, I don't know. I'm just like, this is bullshit. It's just pure bullshit. I do think this episode is supposed to make us question um, the idea of transcendence. Or not question it, but like more so believe in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Believe that what Bill is saying at the end will happen, um, be it after a war or after a test. Um, I don't necessarily think that we're supposed to be on Bellamy's side because... I think we've just seen too much at this point. We really get further and further away from Bellamy. Like he becomes someone that I don't even recognize True. at the end. Um, I don't think there's any way that the writers could have thought we would be on his side. Like I do sympathize with him. I understand he went through a trauma, sure, but sure. But it's true that like by the end of the episode, we have p- are completely positioned in opposition to him as in like, like who the hell are he you? He betrays our, our family, our yeah. group. So yes, I agree. I just think it's like, I think they got like a little confused in the middle here of like what we're supposed to believe and like at what to what extent. Yeah. Um, which I don't think is like, you know, that strange or off the mark from the rest of this season. I think they are messy all over the place. 
Yeah. I, I want to talk about this a little bit more when we talk about his vision um, okay. pretty soon, but I'm put a pin in this for now. Okay. We'll pin that. Um, so Bellamy is talking to Dosette and he's like, like your shepherd's just some common command from earth. And Dosette's like, nah, he actively predicted the end of the world and brought us all to the stars. And it's like, first off my dude, Everyone who lives on Earth right now, I can say this since I do live on Earth right now, we're all predicting the end of the world. It's true. Not Bill, a thing. Bill's not unique. Everyone with a conscience the world is ending. We all know this world is dying and it sucks. And second off, the only reason Bill was even able to lead you all through the stars was because of Becca. Bill did literally nothing except steal a cultural relic that I guess wasn't really a cultural relic. It was from aliens. <laughs> and but take it to his cult bunker. still culturally important to Machu Picchu people. Maybe. I don't know. Who the hell knows? <laughs> But again, taking credit for a woman's work. Yeah. Classic Classic Bill. Bill. Classic <laughs> Bill. I fucking hate Bill. Um, is that clear yet? <laughs> no patience I for mean, Bill. I mean, we, we, we knew. I knew that you would hate Bill when Bill came on. I knew that I would love to hate Bill yeah, when Bill I came on. I have no patience for Bill. Um, again, but he is funny. I find Bill ridiculous, and I love it. <laughs> so Doucette also tells Bill um, to trust the message, not the messenger, because Bill, bleh, Bell is like, your leader is a cult leader fraud, dude. And he's like, well, if you don't trust Bill, trust the message. And it's like, that's literally what we're talking about. Don't trust Bill. Bill is the linchpin here. Bill, Bill, Bill. Get rid Bill. of him. He sucks. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> this is a goddamn thing to do with Bill. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and then Doucette tells Bell, you know, we all know. Uh, all we know is that a civilization can transcend if they're pure and if the soul is worthy. And I think that's a really interesting. I think it's really interesting that these two characters here who have very different opinions on like what makes you worthy and like what will lead to peace or a better afterlife mm -hmm. um, are arguing this point. And then later in the episode, Doucette, after, you know, the prayers, like Bellamy finishes praying and, you know, the storm ends and he's like, we're both worthy um, to really just like really reinforce this idea of like, there are no signs. You can, you'll find signs mm -hmm. anywhere to you, reinforce. You find, it's confirmation bias. Exactly. You find what you're looking for. Um, and I just, I think it's really interesting. Um, but it also made me start to wonder, like, what is Bellamy's function or role going to be moving forward in relation to this test? And like, you know, transcendence. Like, is he going to be worth, is he worthy of taking the test? Is he worthy of transcending? Are those two different things? And like, does Bellamy and his like heart or sort of like emotional capacity as opposed to Clark's lack of emotional capacity or not lack of, but uh, deprioritization of emotional of emotions. Um, does that make him more, does that make him more apt to take this test or less apt to make this, take this test? Are you saying, is he going to choose to take it or what, like, what are you, are you saying if he takes it, will he pass both? Uh, well, first off, I don't think any of our people, I guess maybe Bellamy, because I'm really unsure where they're going with him, but I don't think any of the rest of them are going to choose to take this. I think they're going to be forced to take this test in some way, mm -hmm. um, because like, why would you take it if you didn't have to? No, of course. Yeah. Uh, for our people, at least. Um, but I really believe that it has to be Bellamy and Clark taking the test together because yeah. that's the heart of the show. I mean, like the, literally the head and the heart of the show, but like that is their partnership has, you know, been what the whole series has revolved around. And 
they canonically make each other better leaders and better people. And I just think that the test would be incomplete if just one of them took it. I know that Gabriel says that only one person can take it, but I feel like it's going to be both of them somehow. Yes, because they complete each other and they're soulmates. So the, they're really <laughs> one being. Exactly. Um, but I, I still am really unclear. When you ask, like, what we think of as Bellamy being the soul of humanity and, and where they're going to go with him. I don't really understand um, given that there's only five episodes left and Bellamy's taken such a turn in this episode. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that they're going to turn him into just like this like man of faith, this like spiritual um, guy who like believes in this like higher power. And he believe like going into this, to this uh, test. I guess I should clear up what I think of this test being, which is, and I think we've talked about it, but I just want to like nail down my thoughts at this point in time uh, before we like get any further episodes um, at the rest of the series. I think the test is going to be uh, something that's like inside the anomaly stone star vortex thing that Becca got sucked into. Um, and because Becca called it Judgment Day, I think that it's going to be some sort of moral weighing of humanity. And I think that whoever is inside this, I think it will be left open-ended as to whether they are gods or whether they're just beings who were once like humans who have ascended and then chose to build these stones to like help other civilizations ascend. Um, but I do think that there's like, there's gotta be someone administering a test. Otherwise it's not a test. Uh, and I think that Bellamy and Clark and humanity are going to be found wanting and Bellamy and Clark are going to argue, but we still deserve like another chance to like keep growing and to keep changing because someday we might be worthy to like reach this new level of existence. Right. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, why did I start talking about this? Bellamy and like where you're, they're going with him. Oh, so where they're going with him is like, I'm worried that like at the end, he's going to believe that there's like these gods who are watching over them. And I don't feel personally, I don't feel like that's what the, the, the beings in the stone are, are like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't really see another path for Bellamy. I think they've really backed him into a corner in this episode. Um, and there's just not enough time for us to like, get to a place that I want for him I mean I could be wrong but yeah I I I hear you I am less concerned about that just because I feel like well I don't know the show has done a lot of really terrible things to the character of Bellamy Blake (laughs) and Bob Morley this season um but I don't know if that if the writers are interested in that either like we're not interested in that I don't know if they're interested in that and I think for me, like, as as much as I, I mean, I don't really want it to be a test. Again, I, I'm just really not interested in a, in a test in any way, well, shape, or form. But, okay, so, okay let me just pause here. So we know there's going to be a test. It's pretty, like, canonically, like, fact at this point. What do you want this to mean? That's what I was just going to say. Okay. I think, like, if there has to be a test, which it sounds like there will, mm-hmm. I think your version of this test is the most appealing to me. Um. However, if we got to the end of the road and they were like, it's not really a test. They got it wrong this whole time. And like, I I would not be. Okay. But like, what would you want? What would you prefer in its place? I don't know. That's a good question. Because I just feel like to go out with a bang, 
there's there's really only one way to go at this point, which is into this anomaly star thing that Becca went into. You know, like the show has already done all of these like like moral tests and just the sense of like uh, who am I going to sacrifice the Mount Weather yeah. people for my people and am I going to murder these three hundred soldiers to save my people? I don't and- know. I think for me, I want. What, it's hard because what I would really be satisfied with, I think, would be so anticlimactic, and which is like, there is no answer. You have to figure it out for yourself. Well, there, like you're not. That is the nature of being human. Is like you have to define what being good what is. Being good is for your own sake, and then improve upon that. And so I really, if I'm being completely honest, that's what I want. Do I think the show is going to do that for like? I just don't I think like that makes for a very poor like story plot but I think to be fair our ideas are not incompatible because I think that you know whoever these beings are who created the anomaly stones just because they've like evolved and ascended to this higher level doesn't mean they're right it doesn't mean that they have the right to judge us or doesn't mean that you know they're going to be good (laughs) they could be they could be evil honestly who knows yeah um but I think it's more of the idea that our people go in and they're like, look, we've done bad things and we've done good things. And we have a belief that humanity as a whole can continue to grow and can continue to become better and do better to ourselves, to our planet, to... I have an amendment. Okay. I don't want what I just said. Okay. What I really <laughs> want is for them to reject the test completely, to like go into the test be told the parameters of the test and the stakes and for them to just and like be you know the stakes are if you pass our test you get to become gods or like some better higher version of Mm -hmm. essentially exactly what we were just talking about you get to transcend (laughs) Bellamy and Clark actively tell them we are not interested in this we are human and we want to stay human because we think being human is worthy and we can improve ourselves I would like them to reject the test I like that idea. I don't hate that idea. Um, I mean, we know that no matter which of our ideas, if either of them come to pass, there will be a lever. I feel like Bellamy and Clark will do another together. (laughs) And then Doucette is like, what the fuck? (laughs) I thought that was our thing. Um, I would actually really like that as well. I could be down for either of those ideas. I just, I want... When Jason says that this is supposed to end with a message, I personally want this message to be looking around at the people on this planet right now who, I mean, like, as people individually, we can, you know, do great good and great evil. But, like, as people collectively, we suck. Humanity, like, as a whole just sucks. We are a trash pile. We need to do better. We need to do better for our Earth so we don't murder it like these people have done on this show. (laughs) We need to do better to each other so we stop murdering each other. Like, you know, I just, I think that that is the message that I will be most satisfied with. Yes. Um, And I think it's not incompatible with the message of the show, which is that they're always trying to do the right thing. And I don't think there is always a right answer. And I I think that for either one of our ideas, that is something that can be said of like, you know, you can do the right and the wrong thing at the exact same time with the exact same choice. Yeah. and that's why it's so complicated to be human. And, and honestly, just it's complicated to exist. It's <laughs> so, complicated to talk about this show. It is. Um, so, yeah, we've, we really beat that 
Yeah, that's dead. Beat that dead, but uh, it's dead. I I like I like both of these ideas. So yeah, let's let's hold that. on to these and see where they go. Um, but, but getting back to this actual scene here, so the Shepherd's book says that a civilization needs the tech know-how to work the stone, and then Dusat argues against the accuracy of that as like not really. They just need to like be pure and. I guess I'm not 100% positive if the book actually says that you need to be like technologically advanced, but if it does, I just feel like Doset is continually just like making up explanations for things to fit again this like overall belief system, um, even though empirically you're seeing proof in front of you that what Cadigan said was wrong. Exactly. And, it's you know, like how many t- how many how many points against Cadigan do you need before you start to wake up and smell the Kool-Aid? Yeah. And then also, why would anyone even need tech know how to work the stone? Like, you just got to press a couple characters and things happen. Like, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's hard to find out the right, you know, code, code, but you don't necessarily need tech know how to do that. Right. You just and need also, to... we don't know what alien brains are capable of. Okay, that's capable true, too. Of. Yeah. I have to believe that they're smarter than us. <laughs> um... And then, of course, I just, like, if I've said it once, I'm going to say it again. Never engage with members of a cult about their beliefs. That's how they get you. That's it, how they get you. It is true. <laughs> Never engage. Bellamy, retreat. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this conversation because it's, again, I think both of these conversations in these caves are really fascinating. Um, this one is specifically about, like, the nature of love. Doucette argues that um, it's not that Bellamy loves but it's how Bellamy loves, which is the problem. And of course, I disagree. Um, and we'll talk about this more. I think you have a couple of talking points you want to get to. Um, but I just wanted to put a note here and say, like, I I appreciate the inclusion of this conversation because, again, these are the kinds of things that, like, I like to think, think about and I like our characters to explore. And, you know, whether you whether they come out on the wrong on the wrong side of this, I, I still like that it was here. I um I guess I don't necessarily disagree that the way Bellamy loves can be destructive. It's the same thing that, you know, it's it, that's essentially why I took exception with this episode is it's because it's just like an, ex, uh, an expanded um, conversation uh, of the same one we had with Gabriel and Cadigan last episode, you know? Yeah. Like, it just feels like the same thing. And yeah. so, like, I'm saying, like, I don't disagree that Bellamy has done really bad things in the name of love. He's yeah. Dose like you're totally right. What I take great exception to is the fact that I don't I don't know why I keep saying take great exception. I don't know. Like there's got to be a better way to but say I that. But I really like it. <laughs> you can keep saying it. It feels very smart. I I feel like I'm in a classroom. Okay. Um I I dislike the fact that Dosette thinks that he like loves all of humanity because I just I personally feel like you can't truly love an idea, a concept in the way that you can love a living, breathing person. Um, I just don't think that's how love works. And I, I, maybe this is because I'm not a spiritual person, you know, that that's kind of, um, no, I, could get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not that spiritual. On the spectrum, I'm fairly, say, you're, you're not spiritual. I, not I'm really. fairly low, <laughs> yeah. but I also agree that like, you need, you need something to anchor you and to some, and for something like you need, I don't want to say touch, but you need something tangible to love and to feel and to hold and to like literally hang on to. Um, and the idea, the concept of love is pretty and it's very nice, um, but it literally doesn't keep you warm at night. Like no. you, you need 
affection. You need kindness and you need connection. That's what makes us connection. I think out of everything is that's what you need to love is a connection. Exactly. You can't have a connection to literally everyone, even people you've never met. That's just, that's just floating up. It's air. Exactly. So like, I just don't believe this idea that you need to take a step back and love everyone equally to be a healthy person. And I don't think the show is necessarily saying that we have to believe this either. No, no. But I do think that this idea that like the way that Bellamy loves and that he's missing something. Um, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about, which I think is absurd. And it's that Dosette says there's something missing inside of Bellamy. And he's like, or at least the episode seems to be leading us to believe that this is like faith that's missing inside of him, like faith in something greater. Um, when I'm pretty sure it's just that like Bellamy hasn't had all the people that he loves safe and in one place for literally the entire series. No. Just like give the boy a nice little village to settle down in with like all of his people and he'll be real chill. That that hole inside of him will be filled. The hole is that Bellamy needs a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> He needs a drink. He needs Boy a, needs a drink. He needs a glass of whiskey yeah. and a peach. <laughs> Surely there's a, a planet out there that the Anomaly Stone connects to with the beach. You know, I don't think you can say that the, like, the reason that death and um, mourning shroud Bellamy like a cloud of death, to quote Doucette, is not because he has missing faith. It's because he has PTSD. Yeah. Get that I mean, boy a therapist. Everyone in this show just has so much trauma to work through. They've been through so much. And so again, I very much like. We need Dioza. Damn it. I know. Damn it. She we lost our away. best therapist. I think Octavia is going to take over. She, I think she's like, she soaked she's, up a lot of Dioza. She's absorbed a yeah. lot of that power. <laughs> Who would have thought? A lot of those juices. <laughs> Octavia could someday. You have to know what you're talking. You have to That's have experienced true. it in order to really empathize. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> anyway, so they get into this major argument. And Belle is like, well, if you think they're so cool, if they're so true and real, then you they'll keep you warm tonight. Go bunk <laughs> with them. And he essentially like sends him into the doghouse, which is just adding to the like lover's motif like rampant through this episode so i really liked that like yeah. little um bow, cherry on top the bow yeah. at the end of this scene <laughs> it's a lover's pat uh, so months pass in the cave while the storm rages and finally bellamy agrees to pray with Dosette. bellamy is thrown into a strange vision involving cadigan his mother and the golden glow stick people when he wakes, the storm has passed. He and Dosette climb the rest of the way with Dosette saving, or with Bellamy saving Dosette once he slips. Then they find the anomaly stone, punch in the code, and the anomaly opens below them. Dosette immediately jumps off the cliff into the anomaly, and Bellamy, with many more reservations, takes the literal leap of faith and follows him. Yeah, so I have several things to say. Uh -huh. The first of which, and this is the most important, I think, in this entire episode, and I want it noted and then notarized. I will never eat a live scorpion. Okay. Period. Period. If you are... Nope. You would literally rather die. I honestly think I would die. That's a little sad. I really feel... I mean, Would like, you I, eat a dead scorpion? What if you killed the scorpion that and ate it? I might do. Okay. I don't think I could pick up a live scorpion on the wall and then just bite its head also, off. Also, that seems like a terrible idea. Where's the poison? Yeah. I mean, like, we had magic sap, so who the hell knows That's what's true. in that... No, I'm just saying, who the hell knows what's in that scorpion poison? Right, you know? right. It could be deadly. <laughs> yeah. Lethal. Most scorpions are. Yes. Well, um, no, that's not true at all. So I feel like, I don't know how scorpions work. <laughs> 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 I 
I was assuming a lot. I don't know anything about scorpions. Um, I don't know. I know I don't like them. Um, so, yeah. So, Bell is going through a lot here. He's real hungry. And he's real tired. And he's real cold. So, he, like, maybe he should huddle with Joseph. I, I don't blame him for finally caving in. <laughs> Not in a pun. But, um, <laughs> and giving in to this prayer thing and giving it a try. Like, you know. I feel like what could it hurt? Um, so no, I don't blame him for this at all. I'm very sympathetic to this to this plight. But man, oh man, was I disappointed when this happened. Yeah. I was like, oh no, it's the nail on the coffin. <laughs> He's praying. It's very upsetting and very. I was very disappointed. Surprised? Not really. Um, but then something really interesting happens and he goes into a vision uh-huh. or what we would call a trance. And I, I'm just like, what do we think is actually happening here? Well, why don't you talk about it? Because you actually came up with I a, had theory a theory guys before I did. So you go, did you have a theory though? Well, you came up with this, like as the scene was happening and I honestly hadn't even processed it yet. Okay. So here's what I think is happening. I think that whatever entity, we'll call them the glow sticks. Whatever the glow sticks are, I think that they are talking to Bellamy because I think they do think that he is worthy. I think that they have judged these two humans and have found something pure within both of them, which I think is probably fair. That's fair. I can see that. Yeah. Um, and are trying to communicate with Bellamy through whatever... Uh, means are able are available to them and I think that they they show up with who like the mirror of Erised <laughs> it's my mirror of Erised theory uh-huh. I think whatever you think it's supposed to look like is how they appear to you so they could look very different to different people mm-hmm. I do also think it tracks that Bellamy is expecting to see Cadigan and so Cadigan shows up and when Cadigan was in this cave cave was also expecting to see himself <laughs> as a god so like that tracks for me um, and then I also think that this tracks too with like the association of something light and warm and the afterlife, it would make sense that Bellamy's mom would show up as well. Mm-hmm. And so do I actually think that this is Cadigan and uh, whatever Bellamy's mom's name is, which I can't remember right now. Aurora. Aurora. Thank you. Um, no. Do I think they are like manipulating Bellamy into seeing what he wants to see in order to communicate with him and how to get to the transcend, like to ascend? Yes. Yeah, I really, really, really like that idea. Um, especially because I usually find vill- er, uh, visions kind of silly. Um, but I like the theory that there are people who are or like beings that are trying to connect with him. Um, but he's just kind of missing the message a little bit mm-hmm. um, and taking it to mean like, oh, this must mean Cadigan is my shepherd, where right. that's not what they're trying to say at all. Um, and we don't even know, like at one point Bellamy like goes in to touch the glowy stick person um, and that's how the vision ends. And the script makes it seem like that is more of like a moment. Like he's like filled with like warmth and light. And so... I'm also not sure if these, if this energy here is like left behind people energy, you know, but I think it does have something to do with whatever beings created the anomaly stone. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're trying to tell Bellamy something and they're just not able to like get through because he's not quite ready to accept the message yet, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I really like that. Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up is I like this metaphor that all the metal objects that Bellamy has like clung to in order to survive, they can't help him here. He can't, he can't take them with him. But again, I don't think this has anything to do with Bill and then everything to do with like the actual transcendence. And I, I think, again, this is like a language that Bellamy is, speaks, which is violence and war and something he's familiar with. And I think it is like the, the physical embodiment of like moving beyond that. And that is how these beings are trying to tell him that like we are moving past your your mortal hangups. Or whatever they are. Well, I also wonder, conversely, if this is something that Bellamy himself adds um, to the vision. Because I think we've seen that Bellamy really wants to do better. He doesn't want to go to war anymore. He doesn't want any of these things. So, you know, it could just be that him seeing this and Cadigan telling him, like, these aren't going to help you here. Like, Bellamy looks relieved. Like, oh, thank God. I don't have to do it. Like, maybe that really is him bringing this um, his own baggage essentially into this vision. Well, I think it's all his own baggage. Like I think that the, I think the the glow sticks are picking up what Bellamy is putting down. <laughs> if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. I think it's all his baggage. Okay. Everything from what he believes the goddess will look like, which is Cadigan, to what he associates with the afterlife, which is his mother, with everything that has defined his mortal life, which is like war. Well, and I think speaking of his mother too. You know, if we refer back to what Dosette was saying, you have this hole inside of you. I think that the the thing that broke Bellamy, the thing that first broke Bellamy was him being responsible for his sister getting caught. And then con- consequently, because of that, his mother being killed. Um, totally. And so like that, I think, is a wound that has never really healed. And for him to really be able to to fill that hole and to to move past the trauma that he has is he's got to um i think accept the fact that it wasn't his fault that you know this was beyond his control um and that he needs to move on and and believe that like his mother would want that for him um, absolutely i think that's a great point i really love that um i also think it's interesting speaking of his mom that as soon as she shows up, Cadigan disappears from the room completely. And it's like, whatever the beings are, whatever they, whatever their God is, is irrelevant because like, ultimately what you want in the afterlife is to be connected with, with, your, the, people with the people you, that you love. love, not with all of humanity, right. with the people that you exactly. love. Um, and then at the end here, at the end of the vision, Aurora tells Belle, go to the light. Um, and I'm just a little, I'm confused what she means and I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because I feel like, is she talking about the auras themselves as the light? Is she talking about the anomaly bridge or is this in reference to something that we haven't encountered yet or all of the above? I feel like she's got to be talking about something that, well, I think obviously the episode wants us to believe she's talking about the auras and that's what Bellamy kind of believes. But I think that this has to have some sort of greater meaning because it doesn't really make any sense. Um... And I don't know if it's just a greater meaning, like a metaphorical, like, go to the light, be good. No, I, <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a light and I feel like warmth, something light and warm. And that's what he's going to need to like run towards. And that will be safety. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm saying like if, if we're taking this to to be the um, whatever these beings are trying to communicate with him somehow, um, then them saying or them saying through his mother, like, go to the light could be another instruction that's getting lost in translation. Yeah, um, I love that. Like literally talk to us listen to us mm-hmm. I really like that idea so 
I'm not going to lie. For me, this vision leaves a lot to be desired. I just think that they're like, again, nothing really happens in it. Nothing is really said. I'm like left not sure how to feel about it or like what it was even trying to tell me. And I, I get that, you know, theoretically, if we're right, this could be on purpose because it's supposed to be misleading. Um, misleading. But I feel like it could have been misleading with more words leading us somewhere. You know what I mean? I think just like the way that it was set up, it was like, oh, there's Cadigan. Oh, there's his mom. Oh, I'm going to touch the light. Like it, it just all, it's just, it's, it was, it said nothing to me. It said nothing. Yeah, I don't disagree. It was very confusing and lacked clarity. I don't know that I needed a lot, like, more words. I think I needed better words. I think if you're going to have a vision, you need, like, in, in a show or, like, in, in some sort of um, media, you've got to do it well because visions just kind of are ridiculous as a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're all cerebral. They take place inside your head. And so, it like, having a vision it really needs to say something about you to say something about whatever you're trying to get to, whatever you're trying to experience. And I I just don't necessarily feel like this does. And again, it could be like thrown into relief later on. I could understand it a lot better. No, I think you're totally right. And I think that's why at the beginning of this conversation, I was saying like, what is supposed to be happening here? Because Mm -hmm. it does feel like it's a literal, like, trance. Like he's actually like experiencing something and it's not just like a mind trick. You know, um, wait, you think that, well, but you think it's happening inside. His yeah, mind, I do right? think it's happening inside of his head. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it, doesn't, <laughs> it isn't real, Harry. Um, that's my second Harry Potter quote, and I'm going to just stop doing that. Um, so, yeah, I just, it's very confusing to me because I do agree with you. Like, it can't be a coincidence that Bell wakes up from his vision from praying for the very first time. And like the storm has stopped. The sun is shining. The light is, is bright, you know, all this stuff. So like, Clearly, I mean, like, why can't it be a coincidence? I don't think that the writers made it a coincidence. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I'm watching a TV show. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not real life <laughs> where everything is a coincidence. Um, so clearly, like, there is some sort of, like, cause and effect happening here. I just mm-hmm. don't know what it is. Yeah. Let's, so like, I'm agreeing with you and that I, I agree that like I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this because I don't think it's just metaphysical. I think there is some sort of physical like uh, energy that mm-hmm. is ha- happening here. That has come upon him. That, <laughs> that like Bellamy has, has literally caused the effect of the storm stopping. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why or how, but I know that it's not just like he's having like a thought spiral. Yeah. Um, let's just keep this vision in mind through the last five episodes and see if it pays out in some way. Um, if not, it doesn't. Shocker. A lot of things in the hundred haven't, but, (laughs) but if it does, you know, I'll, I'll recant all of the criticism. So (laughs) jury's out. Um, so I probably wouldn't have made it this far if I were on Etheria. Like I said, I wouldn't probably have made it past that very first rock wall, but If I had built a ladder, as you suggested, and walked up here and decided not to freeze to death and sat in the cave with the glow people, first off, I would have been sleeping back there because that's way further away from the wind. Um, And and eating the scorpions and having my visions. And then finally the storm breaks and I go out and I get to this rock wall. 
I can promise you, if you were in danger on some other planet and I was here facing that rock wall, you would die. <laughs> I can promise you, if the exact opposite were true, you would die. <laughs> I can't get up this thing either. I think for you, it's because of your like deep fear of edges and heights. Um, it's for me, I have no upper body strength. Like I well, physically, I mean, theoretically we could build upper body strength. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I am telling you, I could not even get two feet up. I would pass out. So <laughs> I know I've seen you try and step on a stepping stool and almost pass out. <laughs> That's a true story, guys. There's not no- a stepping stool, but a chair, a chair is too high for me. The stool in my room. Oh, that's like a tall stool. Yeah. Yes, it's a that's stool. like a two-step stool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like heights. No, it's <laughs> like being off the ground. This um, is this is like Mount Doom here. <laughs> it's like sheer rock face, you yeah, know. Sheer rock face. That's an inside joke they don't know. Of Mount Doom? No, sheer rock face. Is that an inside joke? Never mind. Yes, that's from our Pocono strip. It doesn't matter. I wasn't there for that trip. Look at this. I'm being left out of our own podcast. You weren't on that Poconos trip? I wasn't on that Poconos That's trip. probably because you were working. She's always working. I just um, don't like people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real reason. God. Anyway. Um, so I'm really glad that these two have grown so close that they they literally can't let the other die. I love this scene where Doucette is like, cut me loose. And Bellamy prays again and finds some sort of spiritual strength to pull him back up uh and it's just like a nice I think it's a really nice little mini episode arc between the two of them and I love their friendship and I love I love the way that they act together I think they friendship quote-unquote relationship Harold they're lesbians any, <laughs> any kind platonic romantic or otherwise um I just think they're great together and also they use the word together Again. Again, which is essentially just closes that loop from the very first scene. And yeah. Oh, oh go, yeah. No, go Sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I, I really loved this. And I didn't even mind um, in in terms of Bellamy, like, being inducted into a cult. I, like, understood his need to pray right here just because I think the idea um, for people, whether it's true or not, that, like, there is someone watching out for you and there's someone helping you can give you strength in and of itself Absolutely. just like holding on to that it's like the idea it's like hope essentially exactly. and Bellamy needed that that hope in this minute that like he was not alone that he had someone helping him save Dosette his love um I completely agree with you and even though I was poking fun of it I, tr- I truly agree and I, I think that it was very emotional and beautiful moment um where he was he was like at his wits end he yeah had nothing left but his hope um I also thought it was a nice touch that Dosette had a had faith that even if he wouldn't be able to make it up to the stone that Bellamy would make it just for from like sheer determination like so much so that he put the stone codes in his messenger bag or in the shepherd's passage book Mm -hmm. and I thought that was also a really beautiful like testament to their friendship yeah Um, and how much faith Doucette has in Bellamy and his determination and his strength. I thought that was great. Also, I need to make fun of the fact that they called it a messenger bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because why? <laughs> um, so I had told you guys earlier, if you guys listened to um, this week's Inside the Episode video with Jason, 
um, where he doesn't mention the names Bellamy or Bob once. It's but very impressive, hair honestly. hair looks so greasy, okay. and that's what I'm holding on to. Uh, so he had said that he envisions every planet in the universe that is habitable to have its own anomaly stone. And I hate this. I hate this because... I was just going to say, tell me why. I know you really care, but you know what? I don't care about you. I care about our listeners, and some of them might want to know why I, I hate curious. this. I was not kidding. Uh, before it really did seem like an advanced species created this, um, these anomaly stones and like left them, them behind in select places, um, either on planets they'd inhabited or like, you know, the few planets that they chose. But if there is one on every planet, then that means that they were just like zapped into being by some sort of higher celestial power, um, be it a god, be it, you know, evolved beings themselves, um, and if this was the case, I don't believe they would look so earthly. Like these anomaly stones look kind of ridiculous. So you, know? you like take, you take, take offense with the aesthetic. I take offense with the aesthetic. Okay, because like I just the, like trying to break down yeah, this monologue because the anomaly stones look like something that was made and not created. Does that make any by, sense? Like, a props department? Yeah, like made by like a people and not like created by like a snap of a finger or whatever, you know? Like it just these anomaly stones are absurd. And if some like higher beings decided to create the perfect um vehicle to help other <laughs> other civilizations ascend, I just don't feel like they look like anomaly stones. So I think it's really funny that what you think you're talking about is like a sci-fi theory of like alien species. But what you're really talking about is prop design, <laughs> which is my area. <laughs> you don't like the props. It's okay. <laughs> no, I love the anomaly stone. I just feel like it's incompatible with this greater idea. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, and so I guess the question remains, I keep waiting for it to be answered and it hasn't yet. I still think it will. Is the language on the anomaly stone the language of these like transcendent beings? Is it the language of the universe? Like what is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You ask me, but I truly... It I'm, was a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question <laughs> and I don't know. And whoever plopped the anomaly on top of a mountain on this planet only for it to open in midair was a big dick like that person sucked that yeah. being i hope they're not judging our people because <laughs> i hope i hope they were judged and found wanting yeah <laughs> so right before bell jumps um he finally gives into his fear and inverts the mantra um that he was saying before that he had given octavia and says out loud i am afraid which is a quiet act of giving up control and facing your fears and trusting in your faith um, and we can admit the, we can argue the merits of faith all day long, but like that is what is happening here. And I just thought this was a really beautiful, great moment. I thought it was, yeah, I mean, very I think touching. This is what bravery is. It's not pretending not to be afraid. It's being afraid and doing what you're afraid of anyway. Yeah, for the um, people that you love. For the people that you, for the people Pe that you love. Just gonna underline that a couple more. I'm times. sorry because we're about to get into another ridiculous scene. So. <laughs> I just, it's just ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. But I, I just, I really do appreciate um, the the nice, like the nice thread that was connected all the way through this episode from the very beginning through now about Bellamy's fear and overcoming it and facing it. And I thought that was, this was really nice. Yeah. 
But let's um let's, let's wrap this let's up. Let's wrap this up. So Bellamy comes out of the anomaly on Bardo where he and Doset hug. Bellamy then sees Cat again and he kneels before him, calling him my shepherd. Elsewhere, Clark decides that she'll tell the disciples she'll help them if they let her friends leave first. But before they can make further plans, Cadigan comes in and brings Bellamy. Clark and her friends are overjoyed to see him alive, and Clark whispers to him her plan. But then Shockingly, Bellamy turns to Cat again and tells him that Clark doesn't have the flame, betraying all of his friends it's for not, this douchebag. It's bill. not great. It's not great. Um, I have a lot of things <laughs> to say. Yes, I know. But first off, okay, so let's just think about the timeline here. We know that at least a couple of months passed on Etheria because yeah. they were in the cave. Because they said it's a couple of months have passed. Well, he said, it's, I've lost track after the first two right. months of what time was. But I am super annoyed about the way they've portrayed the memory loss from the anomaly because it is impossible, impossible for Etheria and Bardo to be on the exact same time. Like at some point, no matter how close their times are, at some point, a decimal will be different. Like that is just math that's physics you know so like it doesn't make any sense that bellamy um still has his memories he either should have lost his memories of bardo when he went to etheria yeah or conversely he should have lost his memories of etheria when he comes to bardo so this is i can't tell if it's an inconsistency it could theoretically again point toward the fear simulation being the answer to all of this um but again i don't have the faith in the show at this point that that is true i think this is just them trying to like fit this stupid rule they have that like when you go to a faster planet um you're fine but when you go to a slower planet you lose your memories of the faster planet like that makes absolutely no sense in any way and i think they just created it because they needed a reason that octavia didn't have her memories last season um and it's stupid and they've already screwed it up so no it definitely is an inconsistency and i keep coming back to your point like they have an m they have a memory machine they could have stolen her memories like that would have been so much it, easier so e- like honestly so much cleaner why didn't we write this season i don't know <laughs> they didn't ask us I do, I just really like Bellamy and Doset's friendship. In spite of everything, I hope that this, I hope that their friendship survives. I hope that, like, Doset doesn't die, because uh, that would suck, because I really like him. I like him and Bellamy. Me too. Maybe him and Bellamy can just ride off into the sunset at this point. Like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, kind of okay with that. Yeah. Not really, but, like, kind of. Um, And I, their hug was so sweet and yeah. powerful and just, like, again, it's people (laughs) (laughs) that's true again it's the people that you love that's how you get through things that is how bellamy got through this journey it wasn't faith it was doset it was like their friendship that they formed right the bonds that they formed i I just okay yeah so circles we're talking in circles no i'm not talking in circles i'm about to make a point and that point is that i do not believe this storyline i don't believe that bellamy at this point where he is right now would essentially bow before his spiritual master. I think Bellamy definitely started to question things, um, question more of his place, the way that he loves, even question Cadigan. I don't think Bellamy was like completely indoctrinated, you know, like I just, I don't believe it. I also, it was too quick. I have a really hard time believing this too. And was, I was thoroughly shocked when he knelt uh, because that just speaks to like the level of submission that he's willing, you know, that he's already at. And there is, a, I, I do not think this is true. So like, 
please bear with me. Mm-hmm. But there is a very small part of me that is just hoping that he's playing the long game here and faking it. But why? I'm not sure why, but I really, really hope so. <laughs> I really hope so, but I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that, unfortunately, this is... The writers want us to believe that he's just been completely brainwashed by this whole situation, um, which it, it just, like, I understand that he has a lot of trauma, not just from what he just went through, but, like, through his entire, you know, series run on the show, um, and that I think that this idea of Cadigan and this idea of transcendence is a way that Bellamy sees that he can unburden himself of all of the horrible things that he's done um, and find a way to be better through this. Um, but it's obviously a crutch. Like, this is not the way, Bellamy. Um, nor is it believable, in my opinion, that he would really just, at this point, screw over his friends. It's been, like, 12 hours since he's had this vision and climbed this mountain. You know what I mean? I like, completely agree. I also, I, like, really... I really don't believe that he would feel... I mean, like, I think he's done a lot of growing up and maturing and processing himself. And I feel like he would know better than to think that this is a way to alleviate he, that burden. He just talked about false gods in this episode. Right, like, it's just like <laughs> it doesn't add up that that would, you know, that he would think that he could take this shortcut and think it was real or redemptive in any real, like, significant way. So, yeah. I, I guess I just, I guess I believe that Bellamy could at this point believe that there is something to this transcendence idea um, and even something to Dosset's idea of like being a little bit more open to loving humankind and not just throwing random people away for the people that you love like to try to like open yourself up in the way that Dosset opened himself up to, to Bellamy. Sure. I can believe that. I don't believe him thinking that Cadigan is like the way in the light. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it's it was a big leap. Like, they needed to do a lot more work to take us with them on this leap. I think this is where we have landed. I really secretly wish that he's playing the long game. But again, don't think so. I mean, I think that in large part, this is just suffering because Bob only had a certain number of episodes that he was going to do. Like, this honestly should have been... Uh, a, a full half season long arc for him to get to this place. A hundred percent. And not one episode arc, yep. <laughs> no matter how much time passed in the episode. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's what I think. <laughs> but Bill's here. Bill is here. And uh, Dosette, I feel just like stands behind Bellamy when Bellamy kneels to him and is like, Look, look, dad, look at my new boyfriend. Do you approve? <laughs> like, he's I know. Like, <laughs> and Bill is so funny because Bellamy like kneels before him and he's just like, call me Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. That was funny. I get it. He's a funny guy. Um, And I, I do kind of want to know what was going on in Bill's mind when Bellamy kneels before him because like, I don't think this is what he expects. I bet he was like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Yeah, This seems like this will help me, right? Yeah. Like, he's like, hmm, can I play this to my advantage? Yeah. I think I can. Yeah, I'm just, I, I just, like, want to see, like, the, the, the strange face he was making in his mind, like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I am I, I am Bill, in Aww. fact. Call me Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cadigan tells Bellamy, like, your friends have gotten themselves into some trouble. And Bellamy just gives him this look, like, what is new? <laughs> like, I've been here for one minute. Can I get a goddamn break? No, you cannot. 
Uh, so Cadigan um, has the rest of the group sleeping in his rooms, or like, or like locked in his rooms, essentially his quarters. Uh, yeah. His quarters after Echo slash all of them let out the the Gen Nine virus and killed Anders uh, and and the the unnamed extras. <laughs> um, but my question is, do Cadigan's rooms just sit here unused when Cadigan is sleeping for centuries? Because like, what a waste! Like he's all here, like oh, true love for mankind, but he's also like reserving the best resources for himself. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it's a good question. I think, you know, it's a small nit to pick, but I also was wondering, like, what do you do with these rooms when your main man, Bill, is sleeping? Yeah. Good question. Um, but we do get to see the rest of the gang again, and I love I love being with them. It was a nice change of pace after spending so much time with just Bellamy and Ruth Doucette. Um, and my main squeeze, Gabriel, is eating again. Love to see it. <laughs> love to see it. Um, and as usual, Clerk is like, all right, Let's take the offense and get the hell out of here before they realize that I'm useless. Um, and I do love this because it serves the dual purpose of showing, again, how awesome Clark is, mm-hmm. which she is awesome, and also sets us up very nicely for when Bellamy betrays them. Um, it was a good reminder of, like, we have a ticking clock here, and we are going to run out of our leverage very soon, approximately two minutes when Bellamy gives us, <laughs> gives us up. I I will say that I do love that Echo was like, you are definitely not sacrificing yourself for us because it's just a little reminder of, again, the great friendship we could have had that we were robbed of. Um, I like that Echo cares about Clark. And I, yeah. I, I just I, I just find it very endearing. So Yeah. And I think especially the idea of sacrificing yourself is something that is not even remotely like tolerable for Echo to contemplate right now especially after last episode when she was willing to sacrifice herself Mm -hmm. and the great lengths that the people in this room came to to save her from that fate like she certainly is not about to turn around and let someone else do that yeah um which I really really appreciated so like Belle comes in everyone is shocked into silence Octavia and Echo are clearly like just totally in shock and paralyzed when they see him. And I think, you know, the the look on Echo's face, and again, she is a very internal character, but Tazia does such a good job that you can clearly read on her face that what she's going through is, is like she's silently thinking of all of the people that she has killed and was about to kill in Bellamy's name. Um, for Basically nothing. for vain, yeah. in vain. Uh, and again, the, the futile nature of revenge. Like, there is no point to revenge at all. You don't get anything out of it. There is no catharsis. There is mm-hmm. no satisfaction out of it, yeah. um, which I thought was really important. And then Octavia has a very cute line where she tells everybody, it's hard to keep the Blakes down. And I'm just like, I'm so happy where we have come to with these two siblings. It's been a really long, very bumpy road. But my God, it's like so sweet. It's We've arrived. A, it's a sweet victory for us. A bumpy road is putting it nicely. I thought I would be nice. <laughs> Um, and then I, of course, got to mention that even with all of the machine guns pointed at her, um, nothing will stop Clark Griffin from hugging Bellamy Blake. And I felt this hug in my bones. Well, to be fair, I also think Clark realized that they're not going to hurt her. She has the flame. Of course. Like, I think had she not had the flame, quote unquote, I don't think she would have hugged him in this situation. Maybe. You think? I, I, feel, I, don't know. I don't know. But I do feel like she was willing to take that risk and t- take advantage of their hospitality yeah. just to hug him. Uh, yeah. So they hug and she tells him her plans. And then he straight up just slaps her in the face, metaphorically, and tells Bill. 
Um, Literally does a 180. Yeah. Turns her his back on her. And um, I wanted to note, too, that in the script, when Bellamy says, I'm sorry, at the end, he's saying it to his, his friends in the room. Uh, but in the show, in the episode, the way they filmed it, he's actually saying it to Bill. And I thought that was a, an interesting um, switch from the from the script, just because him saying it to his friends is like, I'm sorry that I hurt you, but like, this is what's right. Whereas like him saying it to Bill is almost like him disregarding his friends entirely and what he just did to them. Totally. And and apologizing for Bill's loss yeah. here instead of the loss of Bellamy's loyalty mm-hmm. to his friends. So overall, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I hate it. I don't want to see Bellamy like this. I did want to see him brainwashed. I really did feel at the beginning of this season that like, they were going to take his memories and our friends were going to have to like fight for Bellamy to like remember who he was again. And that was a, an arc that I was like 100% here for this Bellamy, just like getting himself inducted into a cult is not, it's not, it's not it. It's not it. Um, it, it honestly makes me respect him a little less, which sounds kind of bad, but no, like, no. <laughs> I mean, I think that's valid. It, it, it makes you question like what kind of person would be susceptible to this kind of, I mean, like, I'm sure a lot of people are, and I, I get that, like, you don't, like, a lot of, like, very smart people get inducted into cults. Like, you know, it's, it's in fact, the smart ones that you got to worry about. <laughs> I, it isn't so much about his intelligence and disrespecting that. I'm, it's more of, like, I am upset at the fact at how, e- what is perceivably it was, easy for him to betray Because he just sat down and prayed and then 12 hours later was throwing his friends under a bus yeah it like, was it was a 180 it was a very fast turnaround which is why there's still a small part of me that thinks maybe it's fake i just like but i just don't understand why i don't know i don't know maybe he read the whole book and there was like an answer that they didn't understand and he was like oh man these people are real stupid i gotta play them <laughs> Because they weren't going to come around. Well, we'll hold on to that hope. I think it is a lost cause, but, you know, we'll see. Um, like I said, I don't know where they're going with Bellamy. There's five episodes left. I don't want him to, like, become the next Jaha, to take up the next, like, spiritual role that Jaha left I, behind. I just really don't see that happening. I don't know where they're going to go with him, but I feel very confident that by the end of this season, wherever we land with Bellamy is going to be... I'm the writers will make me feel good about okay and I don't know why I can say that because I have almost absolutely zero optimism for anything to do with this show me either but maybe it's just my blind my blind adoration of Bellamy Blake that refuses to acknowledge that something could go wrong here I have absolutely no faith that you have that the writers won't screw him over I like honestly uh, there have been so many character arcs that I wanted to see this season that I just I feel got left behind um and so I've been disappointed and I I hope I'm not with Bellamy I hope that it's I hope the the next five episodes are going to really change how I feel about this season do I have that faith no I I don't but I have very little faith in this show which is a terrible thing to say as a podcaster and former lover of this show um I just think they lost they a have, lot of their mojo yeah I agree completely I'm still holding out hope for Bellamy Blake because I can't exist without that okay um, well that's the episode that was the episode let's get through some of our discussion points um so title meetings in this episode this was a real doozy um I Etheria is the name of the planet Etheria that's what that means <laughs> um so 
is comes from the the word ethereal, which the definition says is extremely delicate and light in a way that seems too perfect for this world. So at first, when you think of what Etheria is describing and this very uh, harsh climate that they arrive in with these the snow and the mountains and the rocks and the scorpions and like that's not ethereal. <laughs> the dinosaurs. The dinosaur eggs. <laughs> um, there's nothing ethereal about that. But of course, this is speaking to and referring to the beings of light. Because Bill named it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and the glowing, the glow sticks and remaining auras who to Bill are perfect and delicate and represent everything that he wants. Um, so they did a little bait and switch there, which I thought was nice. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. You got anything to add? I never have anything okay. bad. <laughs> was, um, so for our favorite line, we actually have the same line. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, which okay. is when Bellamy was about to jump into the anomaly bridge, he said, I am afraid, which I feel like we've covered enough. But like there weren't a ton of lines to pick from, but that one definitely stood out as the most emotionally impactful. Yeah. For me. I think for me, especially like there weren't a ton of lines that yeah. I really loved. But yeah, for but sure. But that one was great. And I really liked that kind of inversion of I'm not afraid. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what was your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene was, uh, strangely enough, even though I kind of just railed on it, the final scene where Clark and Co. find out that Bellamy's alive and then he immediately betrays them because I am a sucker for a good, like, emotional um, arc between Clark and Bellamy. <laughs> yeah. So him betraying her, you know, it's it's going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Um, I was going to say my favorite scene was the Bellark hug. But it's not true because um, it was because he like was it because, hollow yeah. because he was half sighted. Um, so I think for me, I don't have a specific scene, but I did. I did really love all of the cave scenes and just like the 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 debate sort of dialogue nature of all of them. I thought that was a rare sort of luxury that we rarely get to see on this show, in the, mm-hmm. especially in the last final season. Um, so I really liked that. Well. We're almost toward the end. Let's talk about next episode, which is 712 The Stranger. I think we all know who that references. In this episode, it's a new day in Sanctum. Clark, Octavia, Raven, and Echo struggle with a new foe. It's a new day in Sanctum. Like, that's a great descriptor. (laughs) Also, like, what drama? Also, like, you really missed a second dawn pun there. It's a new dawn? Really and truly. (laughs) Like, how? Wow. The writers, they're just sleeping. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> um, I have two things to say about this. The first is that Bellamy watches Clark and MCAP, and I am very intrigued to see where that's going. Um, but also, the second is, why do they need to put Clark and MCAP? I don't know. I really feel like they're trying to re... They're trying to trace their her steps to where the flame is and how they can save it. Oh, like the or, actual like physical flame. Yeah, and how they can reconstruct the it. The flame is dead, it's guys. It's fried. Dead. But you never know. <sighs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, uh, we all thought, I mean, not we all thought, I thought the flame was coming back. I still think it's coming back. I just don't think it's coming back in the way that I thought that it was. So we'll see. That is what it is. All right, but guys. if the flame comes back, I hope Raven builds it. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to do our Yeah. Off. Okay. All right, guys. That's our episode. If you'd like to contact us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That is S-K-A-I-C-A-S-T-K-R-U at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at skycast, and you can tweet at us at our own Twitter accounts. I am at bperlman89. And I'm at Sarah R. McCabe. And that is our episode. So until next time, may we meet again. May we meet again, guys. Bye. Bye.